This is the time of year for reflection, rumination, and a restock of what's taken place over the past 364 days or so. And it has certainly been a year of challenge and change for me personally. The year began, of course, with the challenge of the coronavirus. This is something which will appear in all news and most blogs one will run across, I'm sure, so I mention it here, mostly as a backdrop for the things following in this post. My family and I have been largely spared from the effects of this thing that has obsessed the global consciousness since early 2020, two family members have survived cancer, and two others have survived hospitalization over serious medical issues, but none of my immediate family have passed away due to these problems, and none of them have suffered a financial downturn due to the problems either. I, personally, have not had any major physical issues for a few years now. There was a need to address some muscular problems, but those were readily resolved with a brief medical prescription and a visit to a physical therapist. I feel better than I have felt since I was laid up in 2013. And that motivation has been translating into renewed commitment and determination to pour my energy into spiritual endeavors, which have been played out in the form of an intensification in my tract ministry, my ability to counsel others, and my capacity to field and refute the arguments and opposition of agnostics and skeptics. Though I still have much to improve upon, much progress has been made in these past 12 months in those regards. I praise God for new opportunities coming up in 2022. In 2021, I accepted a position as a deacon in my local Christian assembly, and was selected to be head of the deacon board by the pastor. I only mention this, because in 2001, after a major church cataclysm in said church, I basically swore I'd never so much as serve as a deacon again. But, when asked if I'd be willing to take on the role once more, and after probably two months of intense and earnest prayer, I concluded that, at the very least, I desired to have the experience of serving in that capacity again, for the purpose of gaining experience in that regard, and for the purpose of observing the leadership style of our new pastor, who began serving in late 2018, after the previous pastor announced his immediate retirement from ministry in my church. The experience of being a deacon without all the noise of problems and controversy has been a very beneficial one for me this year. We have spent time reviewing our church covenant, articles of faith, and constitution off and on for these past 12 months. Our current pastor has some very good ideas as to how to effectively guide Calvary into the new millennium, and it has been a good experience thinking and learning alongside him in 2021. I don't look at the deacon's position as one of leadership, though in my church, it tends to take on that import. Many refer to my colleague and myself when trying to discern their way through the whole spectrum of church issues as they relate to minor things. I have been required to make a stern decision on at least one occasion, which I immediately followed up on with a reaffirming and reassuring tone, so as to avoid bitterness and hard feelings. But as with everything else I've chosen to be a part of at Calvary this year, my intention is to gain experience, as well as, in a way, to build my resume of involvement in church responsibilities. In passing, I make the observation to myself that, even without having served in the official and full capacity of a pastor, I have much, much more qualification for ministry than the majority of even church folk, and definitely more than the vast majority of the average citizen. I still consider myself an average citizen, I do take part in general labor to make a living, after all, but simply carrying a pocket Bible and operating with a strong sense of ethics and morality sets me apart from the crowd by default. So I look at that, not as an issue in which I can be arrogant but is something to be satisfied about in regafferds to the spiritual progress that's taken place in my life since May 4th of 2018, the day I determined to let go of my past and begin pulling myself into the present instead. The deacon's position is, in its own way, fun, actually. And it gives me an opportunity to pick my pastor's brain, which most people don't have. I find it to be an enjoyable experience. And I look forward to what that position holds, not just in 2022, 
but in the future. With regards to my ministry experience, I can summarize it in this way, I have been a teacher in junior church, I've been a bus worker, Sunday school superintendent, King's Kids teacher, adult Sunday school instructor, for many years, deacon, dorm supervisor, nursing home ministry preacher, pastoral intern, interim pastor, usher, and sound booth operator, I'm sure I'm missing a few in there somewhere, hey, and I am a Romans 1:16 Christian, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. I believe that this is where it ought to start for every believer in Christ, don't be ashamed to represent Him before the world, don't be ashamed to carry a copy of the Scriptures on your person at all times, don't be ashamed to offer literature or advice to the skeptic, agnostic, backslider or prodigal, don't be ashamed to advertise for the kingdom with your clothing and your demeanor, and don't be ashamed to stand out from the world surrounding you. Don't accommodate the culture you live in, challenge your culture. This is where it all starts for the one who puts their full faith and trust in the completed work of Christ in their redemption. Do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love, as Christ loved us and gave Himself for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. And do not let sexual immorality, or any impurity, or greed be named among you, as these are not proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse joking, which are not fitting. Instead, give thanks. For this you know, that no sexually immoral or impure person, or one who is greedy, who is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not be partakers with them. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is pleasing to the Lord. And do not have fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, instead, expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things are exposed when they are revealed by the light, for everything that becomes visible is light. Therefore he says, Awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk carefully, not as fools, but as wise men, making the most of the time because the days are evil. Do not be drunk with wine, for that is reckless living. But be filled with the Spirit, Ephesians 5 1-18. Regarding what I've learned in the past 12 months, the greatest source of knowledge and encouragement I've received has been from the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast, a ministry brought together by three men who, like myself, have seen the progressive and pernicious corrupting of the fundamental Baptist movement in recent decades. A well-known former fundamentalist pastor elaborated on this ongoing decay, and the inner disintegration of godly and biblical ethics and morality, in an interview with the recovering fundamentalists, a preacher known as Phil Kidd. He's a rough fella, a rough fella, whose language and demeanor behind the pulpit are almost universally recognized as overly insulting, demeaning, and inexcusably inappropriate to all audiences. However, in this two-part interview, he did make some excellent points in regards to the emotional and spiritual wreckage left behind by the majority of mainstream fundamentalist pastors, especially those whose spiritual heritage can be traced back to the arguably corrupt Jack Hiles, and his shamefully immoral son-in-law and successor, Jack Shop. Fundamentalism, for its stated commitment out the power and inerrancy of the scriptures, has largely become a breeding ground for corrupt, autocratic pastors, and for the corruption in leadership and morality which inevitably follows and it takes a unique kind of local fundamental church to stand out from that kind of corruption. I believe, and firmly so, that it takes a church that is utterly and completely unconcerned with projects and programs, and is completely focused on reaching and thoroughly spiritually enriching individuals, who will then, basically by default, 
be equipped to perpetuate that process with regards to the next spiritual generation. Hey, this sounds awfully familiar, doesn't it? Then Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, Matthew 28:18-20. Go into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. These signs will accompany those who believe, in my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, if they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them, they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Mark 16 15-18. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Acts 1-8. Truth matters more than numbers. Truth matters more than reputation. Truth matters more than opportunities. Truth matters more than heritage. Truth matters more than politicking, or protecting fellow preachers' reputations, or shamefully covering ups and concealing evil men from legal retribution, or validating or vindicating false teachers or the falsehoods they propagate. I'm looking at you, Peter Ruckman, R. B. Ouellette, and Stephen Anderson. No more. Enough is enough. As you heretical teachers would say to your own congregants and readers, get right with God, or get out. We're done with your uneducated and unenlightened stupidity. Step down and make room for someone who'll step in and get the job done right. That's my two cents on the matter anyway. Feel free to toss me some change if you need to. Work continues to be an experience in revealing, challenging, building, cementing, and reinforcing character. A few years ago, I came to a point while working where I realized that I no longer had anything to prove, either to my pastor, my dad, or myself. So what was I sticking around for? I had a bit of a crisis for several weeks if not months. Eventually, sometime later this year, I did settle on the thought mentioned in the first sentence of this paragraph. It's all about character. It's all an exercise in becoming a better and better man and individual. And all of these lessons I'm learning in this experience, I can translate and apply to both my daily living, as well as my church life. It's been a difficult but enriching, and ultimately fulfilling, experience. In relation to that, I have had to come to a place in life where I've decided that I'll stick it out. Fort Dodge and Harvest were a place I needed to stop off at in my spiritual journey. The city and the church played the pivotal role in initially getting me away from an emotionally abusive pastor, and giving me an opportunity to both get a hard reset on my spiritual life, particularly during a worship experience I once had at Kennedy Park down there, and to teach me how to study scripture myself, and think critically, biblically, and rationally about the issues which I was encountering in my life. My experience with undiagnosed and untreated depression from 2004 through 2018 arrested that process a great deal, but praise God, He pulled me past that experience as well. However, over the past several years, following conversations with many current and former members and friends involved in that ministry, it's become plain to me that God's intent in picking me up and dropping me back in my hometown, may have been, in part, to prevent me from becoming identified with a ministry which, while it is capable of being supremely effective at helping hurting people, and I truly, firmly believe that, as I am one of those people helped by that ministry, is, tragically, incapable of effectively ministering to its own local community by keeping the city's populace, whom they are tasked with reaching first, apprised of whom they're bringing into their ministry for treatment, and the extent to which those recovering individuals are involved in both church ministry and in the community, this, to me, is best evidenced by the church's bringing on a certain individual by the name of Cameron Giovanelli, who is a well-known child molester, 
and his membership and albeit limited involvement in Harvest's ministry. Harvest as always, always had a reputation for refusing to keep their community in the loop. This is one of the many straws that should have broken this, my, camel's back in regards to Havist. I love the ministry, I love the people, I love the city, I love what God has been using them to accomplish particularly for fundamental Christians. But, this type of thing utterly unacceptable, and Harvest has forfeited their right to reach out to their broader community, unless they are able to incorporate community transparency into their way of dealing with things. 1 Corinthians 6 is in Scripture, but then, so is Romans 13. Christians ought to deal with issues in-house, but as any member of the church is also a member of society, it is essential that the church also involve their community in dealing with the sorts of problems and issues and individuals whom Harvest deals with. That little rant, you can have for free. Going forward, I am eagerly anticipating new possibilities and opportunities, I am set to share the Word of God once per month in my local church, and to be on call for any use as a fill-in when my pastor's gone. I am making plans to attend the Northern Plains Independent Baptist Fellowship Semiannual Conference in April, which ought to be interesting, as I have not seen the majority of those regional pastors in many, many years. Calvary Baptist Church turns 70 next year, and as a deacon, I'll undoubtedly have the rare privilege of having a part in the planning and preparation of that commemoration in the fall of 2022, most likely coinciding with an PIBF conference in our city, if I have my information correct, don't quote me on that one just yet. I hope to be able to take a trip to Fort Dodge in July once again, and spend some time catching up with some old friends from Harvest, and I have plans to read through the Bible in chronological order, using the new living paraphrase slash commentary. I refuse to call it a translation, because it's really not, as well as to use my on-call status as a lay preacher as a great excuse slash solid reason for doing a study in Solomon's wisdom, completing my series on eternal security, and beginning a chronological series through the New Testament epistles, beginning with James' epistle, all of which I've already started. I am also resolved to become a better ambassador and witness for Jesus Christ, by improving my proficiency with tract ministry, specifically using material from Bible tracts incorporated in Living Waters, learning how to effectively challenge skeptics and agnostics without falling to error in the process myself, and learning slicker, newer methods of verbally witnessing to people, not just to the lost, but also to seekers, the religious, and otherwise open-minded individuals. Seed has the potential to yield a crop of some size almost anywhere, but you'll never receive a crop, if you refuse to go to the trouble of simply dispersing the seeds. So the bottom line to all of this is, I look forward to a busy year this year. To wrap it up, I've rebranded my blog as well. I once had a domain name named Proliferate Truth. Net. The cost of annually maintaining that domain was more than I could manage, however. And I've been considering what to rename this blog. I had renamed it Their Stuff My Life 2017, to commemorate the attempt I was making at the time to pull up out of all the difficulties relating to my undiagnosed depressive disorder at the time. But I've since decided that it would be better to go back to the beginning. Somehow, in the midst of all the garbage I was dealing with, several years ago, I believe I was inspired by the Spirit of God to pull together a blog which contained all the sermon and lesson work I'd done up till that time, a copy of all my material was posted within a one or two year time span, and Proliferate Truth was born. This morning, I looked over my material, and made the decision, I am now proliferatetruth.wordpress.com. We're back to the beginning again, and man, I'm not even kidding, IT feels great. I look forward to providing you all with beneficial, new, up-to-date content in the coming year. Though the majority of my activity will be on Facebook, I do plan to try to gravitate back to posting via this blog. I hope to see some of you here, and perhaps meet virtually in the social media dumpster fire, I mean, social media universe. God bless. God's still good. 
Truth triumphs. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus.